think I've uh, mentioned before that Rebecca and I kind of binged a show this fall and winter called Alone on the History Channel. Uh, just to bring you up to speed, uh, there, there's several seasons, I think we have one season left um, on the show, 10 people from across the country go to a remote part of nature that they've uh, uh, set, set things out, they have just some, some bare necessities, and uh, they're separated from everyone else, they're all by themselves, hence the, ta- the name alone, uh, they, uh, uh, the, the one who lasts the longest wins. There are no camera crews, They're, they film themselves, it, and it's not that they're waiting for somebody to die, uh, it's, that's not it, it's not the whoever lasts the longest, like who lives alone, uh, it's, they, they, they have this satellite phone, and they can uh, hit the button and tap out whenever they'd like to, and a helicopter or a boat or whatever will come and, and get to them, uh, and uh, they can leave, and the last one to do that is, is the winner. Those, those contestants on that show, they have to build their own shelter and they have to start fire and they have to hunt and trap for food. And, and some, uh, it's, it's, it never fails, it seems like, in the seasons we've watched. There's, there's usually one or two that tap out within a few hours or even a couple of days uh, because of uh, maybe, you know, go figure, they're afraid of the bears and the wolves and the coyotes and the mountain lions that they saw. I mean... Go figure. Why? Why would they be? But anyway, or it's just tougher than they thought, and so they they call and they, they tap out. Some of them are crying, and uh, they you know it's you know. Uh, but some of them last a little longer, and they they've done research, and they they uh, know what plants to eat and not eat, and and uh, they know how to catch a fish, and and some of them they'll bring a gill net and they'll catch it. And I've learned all these new terms. It's it's an amazing thing. A few of them figure out how to hunt with a bow and arrow. They, they, uh, they trap uh, uh, game for food. Some of them tap out due to injuries or illness. Um, others go a little crazy uh, as they are all alone for that long period of time and they're not used to it. Some, some of them miss their families too much. Uh, others are taken out of the game because of health risks, uh, usually because they've lost too much weight. I have not seen a single person on however many seasons we've watched, uh, not a single person has had has maintained, let alone gained, any weight. Uh, they have all lost weight. They just can't seem to get enough food uh, to uh, sustain themselves. Virtually every, probably every contestant would uh, self-describe as a survivalist. They, they know how to hunt and fish and trap, and they have skills for building shelters and, and staying out in nature for long periods. They know how to survive. Now, for many reasons... I would never go on that show. Somehow you knew that, I think. Um, I'm not great with a knife or a bow. Uh, I've never snared anything in my life. And to be honest, I like to bathe on occasion, and I don't think they do a whole lot of that there. Uh, I've joked with Rebecca, we'll be watching a contestant kind of melt down while they're, they're missing their family, and, and I'll turn to her and say, you know, if I was out there, I wouldn't miss you at all. Of course I would, though, right? That's a big thing that I would... Uh, I, I, I could list a whole host of reasons why I would never uh, be able to compete on, let alone win, the show alone. But the number one reason uh, that, that, uh, that, that I would give is that I don't want to just survive. I want to thrive. Uh, and there's a difference, right? I mean, surviving is doing the minimal amount of things to keep a pulse and to keep breathing. But thriving is something much richer 
and deeper. Now, the details of all of that probably would look different in all of our lives. There are certain things uh, we would define thriving maybe a little differently. You have your preferences of what you think is a great life, and I have mine. And, but, but I think we would agree that, that, that beyond having life's necessities taken care of, like food and clothing and shelter and bathing, uh, um, uh, thriving includes things like depth of purpose, uh, relationships built on love, uh, things like joy and contentment. Uh, it doesn't have to be a life of ease to be thriving. Uh, it can be hard and challenging, even painful at times. But, but as we work and as we push and as we learn and as we grow, we mature, we thrive. John 10.10, 10, uh, uh, Jesus is, is describing why he has come and he says that he wants us to thrive. In the New Living Translation, it it says it this way, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. In the message, it says it this way, I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. In the New King James Version, it says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Abundant life, more and better life than you've ever dreamed of. Rich and satisfying life. Jesus came to give it to us. But we'd probably say, yeah, I believe that. But do we really believe that? I wonder if too many people are just surviving in their spiritual lives when they could be thriving. I wonder if too many of us are just surviving in our spiritual lives when we could be thriving. For, for years now, several years now, the leadership of our church, uh, primarily me, uh, we've been hammering home the, the purpose of our church and, and the purposes of our, purpose of our lives. We live to love people to life. You've heard that before, right? Some of you. If you're new here today, uh, then you haven't, but it's probably printed somewhere more than one, one place uh, in your bulletin and other places. We live to love people to life. And I've gotten you to repeat those words. I'm not going to do that today. You're, you're safe. You don't have to say anything. It's okay. We live to love people to life. I've gotten you to repeat it. We print it on everything. It's ingrained in our culture around here. We talk about it. If, if we ask somebody who's been here for any length of time, uh, what's, the, what's the, the, the purpose or the mission of, uh, of this church, hopefully you would be able to repeat it back. The, when we had our uh, uh, church pastoral review, uh, uh, what, a, a, over a year ago now, I guess, and we gathered around, and, and the, the district superintendent, one of the questions they always ask leading up to that is, what's the, what's the purpose of your church? And usually they get about, as many people are in the room, that's how many answers they get, right? Because it's all kind of whatever. And, and uh, I mean, it was good. I, I guess I had coached our board well. Uh, made me look good because uh, to a person, we all said it. We lived a lovely, we, we've got it ingrained in our, in our minds, and, and, uh, and I think it's a great way to describe who we should be and what we should be doing as we live our lives for Jesus. But I wonder if there's a disconnect there too. Because first, first off, uh, just repeating that phrase or just seeing it in print doesn't make it true in your life, right? Uh, we can say it all the time, but, but is it really true? Are we really... Uh, li- and, and then even if you're attempting to reach others with God's love, if you're not living that thriving, abundant life, then all you're going to be winning them to or, or uh, uh, bringing them to, introducing them to, is the surviving kind of life that you're living. You're, you're not really a living in that abundant life in relationship with Jesus. You can't introduce anybody else to that abundant life if you're not living it yourself. 
And so maybe you've had the thought, God forbid, but I wonder if this is true, that maybe you've had the thought when I've quoted the statement or, or made you say it, oh, we live to love people to life, and then in the back of your mind you go, but how do I, how do I really do that? I mean... How can I live so that I'm loving people? To, I, I'm not sure I'm thriving. How can I help anybody else to do it? Living that abundant life with, uh, with God, uh, I think traditionally in, in the church has been summed up with a, with a word that we probably don't use too much uh, anywhere else except in the church, and it's the word discipleship. Discipleship. Uh, we use it to describe the, the learning ministries of the church, usually. Just, just Friday night, uh, uh, several of us went to the district uh, discipleship dinner where we celebrated those who, uh, mainly the, the, the honor teachers who have been, been teaching uh, classes and, and leading groups. And, and that's what our, in our church we have a, a ministry uh, dedicated to discipleship ministry. And that covers Sunday school classes and, and life groups and, and youth group and all those kinds of things. And uh, discipleship, is about learning. We've got to got to be learning about about uh, Jesus and and uh, and and all those things. But it it's less about knowing things and more about living things out. Discipleship is isn't just learning stuff so I know stuff, but it's learning stuff so that I can uh, I can uh, live it out. It, it's less about information and more about transformation. Right? Information is important. We we use that information to allow it to transform us. It's about following Jesus. Disciples, we think about the 12 disciples, they were following Jesus so that they could become more like him, right? They were living, uh, they were following Jesus and he was teaching them stuff, sure, but but he was uh, living life with them so they could live more like him. And so if we're uh, thinking about, well, we live to love people to life, uh, uh, this, this whole issue of disciple, well, we have to ask ourselves, am I really a disciple? Am I, am I following Jesus, doing whatever I can to be more like him? And so for the next couple of weeks, I'd like us to kind of dig into that question a little bit. There are some characteristics and practices in our lives that can help us to know if we, if we are on the right track with, uh, with following Jesus. Am I really a disciple? One, uh, one big characteristic of uh, discipleship is growth. If, um, if, if, if we're evaluating, am I really a disciple? Uh, growth plays a, a big factor. Am I making progress in my relationship with God? Growth and, uh, is a natural and necessary part of life. We expect it in, in a lot of areas. Uh, the thing that comes to mind First, for me, is uh, that we expect progress uh, in, uh, with, with our children, with, especially with babies. And as they grow, we watch for certain signs that they're making progress in the right directions. There are certain milestones that we look for, uh, turning over and then crawling and then pulling themselves up and, and then walking with assistance and then walking without assistance. I mean, and, and, of course, there's all the other things. There's the, we weigh them and we measure them and we look for growth. We look for progress. We, we, they, they, they need to be growing up. And, and if that growth isn't happening, then we get, get a little concerned, right? And, and if the baby isn't making the progress that we think, uh, then, uh, then we go to the doctor and, and they might run some tests. There might be some neurological evaluations. Uh, growth and progress is expected and desired. And so maybe we get special help or we give specific attention to areas where, where progress isn't being made. Maybe we bring in a tutor or, or there's certain medication or maybe there's certain therapists that, that help overcome those obstacles that, that, that maybe 
be uh, starting to stunt a child's growth. And, and so we, we know that a child shouldn't be stagnating or, or regressing, but growing. And so we do whatever we can to make sure that's happening. And what's true physically for children is true for all of us spiritually as children of God. We should be growing. We should be making progress. We should be maturing in our spiritual lives. Uh, more, th- more than once, Scripture calls out people who have, who have stalled out, so to speak, uh, spiritually, uh, emphasizes the importance of growing up in our faith. 1 Corinthians uh, 3, verses 1 to 3 says, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you still are not ready. You are still worldly. Hebrews chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. We're we're expected to grow, to be making spiritual progress, to to mature in our relationship with God. 1 Peter chapter 2, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. So we have to ask ourselves, probably, I mean, consistently, maybe daily, am I growing up in my salvation? Am I making progress or am I stagnant? Am I declining and drifting away from God? Am I thriving or just surviving this whole life with God? Jesus came so that we could thrive and to help others do the same, to, to, uh, to, to live, to love people, to life. It starts with that desire to grow, to be more like Jesus. And so, well, how do we, how do we know if we're, if we're growing? Uh, how, how do we evaluate that? I, I think a great uh, a barometer of that uh, is given to us by the Apostle Paul in, in the book of Galatians. He, he lists a bunch of character qualities, that, that can help us evaluate uh, what, what is happening in our lives. He calls it fruit. Uh, it's, it's that metaphor of, of that we're going to grow these things in our lives, that they will be developing and seen as the Holy Spirit lives and works uh, within us. We're going we're gonna to have these characteristics in our lives. It says the fruit of the Spirit is, Galatians 5.22, sorry, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. So we have this list of nine characteristics that are developing within us if we're following Jesus, if we are his disciples, if we're thriving in our relationship with God, these nine things will be seen in our lives. That's what Jesus, through his spirit, does in us as we invest in our relationship with him. Uh, those character qualities are, are a barometer of, of our spiritual life. And so if we're not growing in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, then we're not following Jesus as we should. 
It's a, it's a great evaluating tool to e- investigate our lives, to take regular account of, well, am I growing in these things? Then that means that the Spirit is working in my life. If I'm not growing in these things, then maybe I'm not doing what I can to allow the Spirit to grow in my life. Because those things don't just happen. It's not that we, we pray a magic prayer, go live our lives, and all of a sudden we're just patient. Some of you know that about yourselves, right? So, so how do we do it? We have to be pursuing. We have to, we have to be pursuing Jesus. Uh, so if, if we're going to be living this life that is, that is thriving in our relationship, we got, there, there are certain things that we do, certain practices, certain, certain ways that we live. They're a regular part of our life that are essential to living like Jesus. I, I read a book uh, just a couple of months ago by, by Kevin Harney, his latest book. It's called Organic Discipleship. And in that, he highlights what he calls seven markers of spiritual maturity. Not only are, are these uh, things that, that, that you and I uh, can do to keep growing as we, as we follow Jesus, they're also good indicators of whether we are really following as we should. So just like evaluating, if we have the, the fruit of the Spirit developing in our lives... Uh, Pastor Haney uh, develop, says these seven things are, are going to be part of your life. And if, if these things are slipping, then, then that's also a good indicator that, that maybe there's more that we can do to invest our lives in following Jesus, to live this thriving life that we should. If, if these things are, are slipping or maybe non-existent in your life, then, then you're probably just kind of surviving in your spiritual, or, or worse, maybe falling away. So practicing these things, we'll go over them here in a second, practicing these things in your life will, will guide you in becoming more like Jesus. Uh, I want to give you a quick overview today, and over the next couple of weeks we'll kind of go more in depth on, in some of these things, but uh, the, the first one um, uh, is, is Bible engagement. By this he just means that, that we are learning to know, love, and follow the teaching of Scripture. I, you hear Bible and okay, yeah, you got to read your Bible. Okay, well, well, no, this is more than more than just reading the verse of the day, right? It's more than just reading a chapter or even or even uh, reading through the Bible. And it's not just I checked this off, I did my Bible thing for the day, or for the week, or whatever. I mean, those, those are all good things, but but Bible engagement involves so much more. Do you know Scripture? Do you love it? Are you, are you getting to know it? Is it getting to know you? Are you drawn to it? Are you, here's the big one, are you obeying what you read or are you just reading words on a page? If we're growing, if, if, we're, uh, if we're spiritually mature, if we're following Jesus as we should, then we're gonna be engaged with scripture. Another thing that we're gonna do is we're gonna, we're gonna be involved in passionate prayer. Increasing our ability to, to speak to God, to, to listen for God, to, to seek God uh, with others, to seek God for others. We, we preachers tend to talk about prayer uh, a lot. I'm sure uh, that, that you know, we mention, oh, you need to pray, you need to pray, you need to pray. I, I, we, we probably talk about it a lot. I'm not sure that we do a great job of really teaching us how to pray. Prayer is a connection with God that can't be overlooked. It, it can't be faked. It's, it's not just, oh, I'm going to shoot up a prayer. Or I'm just not going to say, oh, my prayers are with you. Or, oh, I'll pray about that, but then we never do. We, we have to be people that don't just talk about praying that, or that we know how to pray, but that we pray, that we are people of prayer and we're passionate about it. If, if you are uh, passionate about prayer, that is a key indicator that you're on the right track in thriving in this relationship 
with God. Wholehearted worship is another uh, uh, aspect of, uh, of these, uh, the, these markers of spiritual maturity. Uh, it, it's all about developing our hearts and our, and our words and, and our lives that, that, that celebrate uh, uh, God's glory and goodness. It's more than just singing a few songs on a, on a Sunday morning in church. When we, when we grow in faith, when we, we give God glory, we give him praise and honor in every aspect of our life. Worshiping God means, means that he is number one in every aspect of our life, not just about singing songs or, or, uh, or, or, or those things, but we are literally giving God glory with all of our lives. Wholehearted worship is a, is a marker of spiritual maturity. Are you worshiping God with your whole heart? Humble service is, uh, is another, acts of, of kindness, helping people in Jesus' name. Uh, disciples, people that are following God closely, uh, they, they, they serve others as they serve God. Uh, God has made you with certain gifts and, and abilities in order to meet the needs of others in unique ways. And, and as you follow Jesus and as he directs you, uh, you, will, you will serve those around you and meet those Needs humble service is a is a key marker of spiritual maturity. Joyful generosity is another one. Uh, recognizing that everything we have is a gift from God, and then we willingly share what He has as He directs. Uh, what, the things that He's given us, we uh, we, we share. Uh, we're we're following Jesus when we're uh, characterized by being generous, not not selfish or stingy. Uh, we we freely give, and as we do, we experience His joy and His blessing. We don't give because we have to. We give because we get to. That joyous generosity is a is a key marker. A spiritual maturity. Another uh, is consistent community, loving God's people and connecting with them regularly. Uh, maybe you're thinking, "I gotta love that guy." Now you're not gonna turn to him right now, right? Because that would they would know. But no, we can't follow Jesus just isolated and alone. That's one of, been one of the challenges over the last two years, and especially when we were shut down uh, and, and all online, right? We, uh, we, we had to really work at connecting with folks, and some, some of us are still, uh, still working through that and trying to figure out how can I connect with the church in, in good ways and in safe ways. And We can't connect with Jesus uh, isolated. It's a community experience. And so as we connect with God's people, as we connect with the church, as we grow in our relationships with each other, we help each other grow in our relationship with God. Consistent community is a, is a key ingredient, a key marker of, um, of our spiritual maturity. And then the, the seventh is organic outreach, which is simply sharing the good news of Jesus during the normal flow of life. In other words, if Jesus is, is uh, number one in my life and, uh, and I'm living for him and I'm thriving that relationship with God, it's going to be so obvious. It's just going to come up in conversation and, and I'm just going to talk about it and I'm going to share and I'm going to be concerned that other people get to know him too and I'm going to love them so much that I introduce them to Jesus and, and it's just going to be this natural, organic process. It's not that I'm going to memorize all this evangelism whatever but I'm just going to it's going to be a natural progression of of outreach now on the surface some of you probably have already tuned out because you've heard these things before pretty basic right we talk about that maybe you grew up in church like I did and you sang the Sunday school song read your bible pray every day and you'll grow 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 anybody the second verse don't read your Bible, forget to pray, and you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. It's a little judgy, I think, actually. But, uh, um, it, you know, it's, it's one of, but at the same time, I mean, I still know it. 
uh, many, many, many years later. Uh, but uh, we might be we might be tempted to just to dismiss. Oh, pastor's talking about that whole read your Bible and pray stuff. Yeah, it's important. I need to. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, hearing about these things and actually practicing them regularly in your life are two completely different things. Is your life characterized by these seven things? If it is, my argument is you're thriving in your relationship with God. It's, it's the, it, they are markers of spiritual maturity. And, and I want to emphasize, it's, it's not just kind of a pick and choose. It's, it's not just that, that this is nice and I like these two, but these three over here are not so great. And so I'm not going to, but I, you, know, I'm, I, you know, I'm doing all right in the, in the prayer category and I'm reading my Bible and, and, and so that's good. I, I, I think it's the difference between a menu and a recipe. I, I like going out to eat from time to time. When we were in Belgium, we, we went uh, several places out to eat. Uh, and uh, the, 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 the meals there weren't too different than what we have here. Uh, we had to ask for interpretations a couple of times. Didn't want to order off the French menu and get something that I didn't have any idea what it was. Uh, so, uh, uh, but, but, oh, and here's another thing. When you order fries uh, in Belgium, it's going to come with a cup of mayonnaise, not uh, ketchup. Um, if you're tuning in from Belgium, there was just a groan, an audible groan in the, no. Um, so you, you dunk them in mayonnaise, and I'm not sure I'm going to continue that when I uh, live my life here. But uh, restaurants are, are, are great because you, you, uh, you look at the, now you eat at home, everybody pretty much, you sit down, you eat, sit around the table, you eat what's given to you, right? But when you're at a restaurant, you get to pick. And uh, somebody might might have uh, you know the the steak, and somebody else might have a burger, and somebody else is having the salmon, and and you're all happy because you got to pick what you like. Usually, there there's something on the menu that you're going to enjoy, and there's a lot of things, several things on the menu you're going to choose not to have because you don't like those things, right? You're going to avoid certain things. You're going to choose what you want. That is. That is not how these spiritual markers of discipleship uh, work in our spiritual lives. We can't just look over the list and, uh, and choose a couple of these things. When it comes to spiritual maturity, uh, God doesn't give us a menu to pick from. It's more like a recipe for spiritual growth. See, in a, in, in a recipe, you have to include all the ingredients and follow the instructions. If you change things, you can really change the whole dish, Right? We're, we're in the spring. We have hope that maybe there's going to be another church picnic sometime coming up, right? And so let's say you go to the church picnic and someone brings their famous delicious cookie bars and you've got to have the recipe for those cookie bars and they give you the recipe and you take that home and in the next week you, you uh, gather stuff in the kitchen and you're going to make those cookie bars. But instead of almonds, you use walnuts. And instead of raisins, or instead of chocolate chips, you use raisins. And you decide, you know, there's a lot of butter in that. I think I'm going to leave, leave out half the butter. And I'm only going to put in some of the sugar because I'm really, you know, watching what I... You're, at some point, you're not making the famous cookie bars anymore, right? Because you're not following the recipe. You're just picking and choosing what you want. With recipes, you can't just pick and choose what you're going to include and expect to get the same results. And that's how it works in our spiritual lives. It takes all of these things, 
And there's probably more, but at least these things. And, and same with the fruit of the Spirit. I think a lot of times we, we, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit and these nine things, and we pick a few, and, and well, I'm good at this, I'm good at this, but I'm really struggling here, and, and I don't think that that's ever going to happen. It's, it's not the fruits of the Spirit. All the, it's if the Spirit is there, this fruit will develop, all nine of them. And if they're not, then we've got some work to do as we, as we dive into and push into what, what, uh, what God wants for us as we follow him, as we pursue him. Now, I can preach about these things, and I'm going to. Don't worry, I'm going to. Uh, so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to go in-depth on some of these things and, and what that really means, not just on the surface, but how to really dig deep. And, and I, also, I, I also want to, in a few weeks, so starting the last Sunday of the month, and, and we're going we're gonna to go uh, kind of in-depth in, in, I guess, what I'm calling a discipleship group. And so we're going to take about uh, a couple of months on Sundays during our Sunday school hour, and if you want to take a up the challenge. I uh, want to invite you to uh, to be a part. It's not just this, uh, you know. It's not just a oh, I'm gonna, you know. Oh study this little thing and maybe do a little this is kind of going to be uh more interactive we're not just going to talk about prayer we're going to pray we're going to share with each other what uh, uh what what is helpful and what has been been and and what our challenges are and how we can can encourage each other and, and we're going to we're going to hopefully uh go uh go in depth on what each of these things are and what they can mean and what they can look like in our life my, my goal is that that will develop some real life handles. That it's not just this, oh, we live to love people to life. Yeah, okay, and then I'm gonna go live however I wanna live. I've got these real life, okay, well, what does that look like? What does that mean? How, how can, on a Tuesday afternoon, how can I love, uh, live so that I'm loving people? How can I uh, live so that I'm thriving in my relationship with Jesus? It's my desire that over time that, 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 that we'll see our love for God grow that our desire for spiritual things will increase and we'll have a sensitivity to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Because we're not just coming to church because uh, we put on a good show, although it's a great show. Tyler, it's a great show. It's not a show, though, is it? It's not a, good, it's not a show. But, but we don't just come here because we're entertained. Funny videos, good, great, okay, good. It's so that we can grow up in our salvation, right? And we're never going to grow up enough until we, until we walk through those pearly gates. I don't know theologically if they really are pearly gates. We'll talk about that later. But uh, the desire is that we're going to be true disciples of Jesus, thriving in this relationship with God. Not just giving lip service to, yeah, I'm a Christian, I go to church, that's my church. Not just surviving spiritually, but thriving in our relationship with God.